and welcome to It's Like This Everywhere. I am your host, Dana, sometimes better known as Hustle Goddess, and I would like to welcome you to the season finale. Yes, I'm sorry to have to rip off the band-aid like that, but honestly, it should be cause for celebration. This first season, I want to say this is like episode 12, which is a pretty respectable season, (laughs) Um, is going to be the first official season finale. And I just want to take a couple weeks to refresh and re-energize to be able to create more content. So I'm really just taking a break from publishing. And I'm going to take this as an opportunity to create more content, create more of a game plan, and also hopefully begin working towards some interviews because I am sick of putting in the disclaimer and not actually having any. So just keep in mind that when I come back, I'm going to be coming back stronger and better than ever, baby. (laughs) So just bear with me and I just really want to thank you for even sticking through this season with me and being there if you're like a day one listening from the very first episode when I was like recording in my closet I really really appreciate you and if you are just finding me after I have probably like posted about my podcast a million billion times I even want to thank you for taking the initial step to figuring out what the fuck I'm talking about So with all of that, I do want to remind you, please, please leave a review if you haven't already. Even if it's just stars, if you have something to say, please feel free to say it about my podcast because I'm absolutely open to like critiques, comments, concerns, all of it. And it always helps me both grow in numbers and grow in good vibes. So remember to run those numbers up as I take this little bitty break because I'm still going to be promoting the old content to keep it fresh in your memory and just be sure like when you go back and you do listen to your favorite episodes if you get an idea for uh, an episode a subject you want to know whether it's personally about me or one of my guests or even a general concept that you want to hear me talk about always feel free to leave it in a comment or reach out to me on Instagram where you can always find me as at hustle goddess. All right. And also remember to please follow me there for updates on my life and obviously the podcast. So before we get into our season finale episode, I am going to give my disclaimer Uh, For those of you who have already heard it 12 other times, or 11 other times rather, um, just thank you. And if you want to skip it, I don't know, maybe it's like a 10 second thing. But if you haven't already heard, I'm white. And my background, to be specific, is Sicilian and Jewish. And this podcast is about my experience and opinions and will eventually contain interviews, which will be the experiences and opinions of others. Every opinion that I form and express is my own, and it's subject to change as I gather more information through research and personal experiences. They're not professional opinions, and they may not even be, more likely than not, (laughs) may not even be researched as people would like, all right? So with all of that, I'm saying this because 
This episode, like many in the future, like many in the past, frankly, contain touchy subject matter. Whether it's touchy because it's personal about my life or it's something you disagree with, it is going to be touchy subject matter and I want to include a blanket content warning with that being said and just with that vibe being out there. Every episode is going to have something that might make someone out there feel a little bit uncomfortable talking about or hearing, but remember this is a safe space to do it. And as long as you have, it's just me and you and your headphones, we're good to go. So it's important for you to understand that other than the intersection that I exist at, I'm only speaking from the outside looking in. I'm not speaking for anyone but myself in this podcast, but I appreciate and hope that my content will resonate with you in some way, and I hope that it does this strongly enough that you subscribe and even become an active contributor in the conversations that we'll be having here, right? So with my, I like to think it's like a very famous, very classic content warning out of the way, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the episode. This is actually another uh, requested topic, um, and it's really fun because it's going to bring the season to like a lighthearted close because it plays off of the best and worst list that I did <laughs> um, of being a kind of D-list celebrity. So it's going to be a little bit of a recap on how I became a little low-level celebrity, but because I did sort of already cover that in the very first first few episodes, I want to reframe it as like what are sort of the first moments when I really felt like my career was taking off and how it affected me and impacted like my life and my mentality, right? So if you've been here since day one, thank you from when I was recording in my closet, but you'd know that my career in entertainment honestly started before Ebru TV, before all of that, and it really started as a video vixen and model. That is like my bread and butter. I'm always willing to do a photo shoot. I'm always willing to do a video shoot. And if I'm creating the photo or video shoot, then like, you know, like my imagination is going to run wild. But obviously I started to make money, make a career off of being a vixen. And I had a monopoly on white girls with tattoos and big booties in Kenya. So if you wanted a white girl with tattoos and big booties in your video in Nairobi, who else are you gonna go to? It's me and only me, baby. (laughs) So like, show me someone, all right? Cause I mean, I mean, even if there is, who's the best? It's Hustle Goddess, it's me. But anyways, let me me check my ego a little bit. (laughs) The first major video that I did Uh, It was actually for an artist that's huge now. It was for Calligraph Jones, but the video that I was in, I would say was before he really popped off, right? And maybe he was already kind of growing, and the issue was when I was in his video, I believe this song is called Mpishi, Smoke. So when I was in his video for that, I didn't really speak a lot of Swahili. I don't think I was even in Kenya for very long. And it was before I even realized that this was a career move for me. It was before I even put the pieces together in my brain that I was like, oh, wait a minute, I could make money from this. Like I could actually flip this into something. So it was a really cool video that I was only in probably like 15 seconds of. I wasn't even in it for a really long time. 
um, which is why honestly he's lucky because number one I didn't realize that I could even be charging him and I showed up <laughs> but, but it was also very cool because I got to see how his career development affected my career development because as he grew I was like dang like I was kind of on the ground floor for that like it was very very cool to be even in that 15 seconds with him and the cool thing is is that he as a person is a very cool guy there was a situation where and I don't want to talk shit about anybody else who was at this video shoot other than like this one person someone that I don't think he has even like worked with before unfortunately he wouldn't even tell me the kid's name because I think he knew what was gonna happen if he did but this kid took my phone right and I don't think he had ever worked with him before and it was like kind of a new crew so I really don't want to say anything bad about anybody but this fucking idiot but he took my phone and even after the video was done because I was like okay he brought me here to do a job I'm gonna do the job I'm gonna stay professional and just get it done because we kind of realized that my phone had been stolen in the middle of the shoot so instead of like throwing kind of a panic attack I was like I'm gonna do the work I need to do so he got me home safely and then a little bit later when I had gotten like a trap phone as a replacement for a little bit he actually found the person who took my phone and he got my phone back for me so I don't know how he is with anybody else, but like that will always be a very cool move for me. Obviously, when I asked him, I was like, okay, can you give me like who was the one who took it? <laughs> he wouldn't, but you know, I can I can understand why. I can understand why he would do that. But the fact that he did kind of go above and beyond to find my phone, I really appreciated that. And now, like, whenever I see him, we're cool. I hope he's living a good life, <laughs> right? But so, um, his video was probably the first moment, again, that I really realized that I could make this a career move and I could genuinely grow from it. And um, I'm happy that I didn't throw a hissy fit, actually, considering that I did turn into a career. I wouldn't say that that was, like, a make-or-break moment in my career but it was more of a make or break moment in like my own mind that I was like damn okay like people want this from me like there's a gap in the market that I'm gonna be able to fill because like I said I have that monopoly and so when I realized that I was also able to take on things that I wanted to take on I was able to do things like simple appearances and then like more risque stuff and kind of have like you know a scale of what I was able to do you know you have like you have what's called a rate card essentially so if you are in entertainment and you don't have a rate card or if you're even in like any like content creation you should have a rate card and so that's something that I should have developed earlier in time but you should have one so um, I think because the fact that I had this monopoly with my looks, I both set my own rules and I also didn't even believe what was happening at the same time, if that makes sense. Like, I was really starting to get my footing and realizing that, okay, this could be an actual career that I could manifest and create. Um, but like, also, holy shit, what am I even doing here? Because this was not something that would have been accessible to me, in my opinion, if I had stayed in Chicago. Like, this wouldn't have been something that I would consider like a normal American, you know, 20-something-year-old girl would do, at least where I'm from and with artists that would get as big as he is. So 
I was I was feeling myself. I was starting to feel myself. Um, another kind of funny moment that I wouldn't say is super career defining, but it's it's it speaks to how kind of like I don't want to say how humble I am because that's just gonna make me sound egotistical, but it really speaks to how like how much disbelief I had about actually being in the entertainment business, but it is a very funny story. So with all of my disbelief and stuff happening at the same time, I still was going for jobs. I still went for the job at Ebru and I was, you know, on TV for those two years and part of, you know, the panel and being a talk show host. Um, I could talk about the tea and the shade about being on TV with those girls (laughs) in a later episode if y'all want to request it. But I have to tell you one of the funniest moments in my career when it came to interacting with like celebrities and especially musicians, right? So I had been at Ebru for a while and obviously part of the show was we would talk about celebrity gossip, like who was sleeping with who and what this guy did to this chick and you know, just like, you know, stuff like that, like lighthearted stuff, but it's celebrity gossip. And so one day I get a call when I'm just chilling in the house, no big deal. And it's someone looking for me to be in his video. And I asked who it was because my first two questions are like, okay, who are you? So I can obviously find them and see how big they are. And then send me the song. Like, I don't want to be in a video with a a crappy song. (laughs) So um, essentially this guy tells me that he was Timmy T-Dat and... I did not believe it. I laughed and I immediately hung up on him. (laughs) Like, I literally just laughed and was like, oh, okay, pal, click, like, done. I did not believe it. And for those of you who don't know who Timmy T-Dat is, he is a pretty big artist. He was very well known. Um, I can't speak to, like, how well known he is now, but, like, you know, I do still follow him on social media. I think he still follows me. I'm not entirely sure, but it's, like, The reason he felt like a really big celebrity to me, especially in that moment, is because literally like a week or two earlier, we were talking about him on this show. Like we were kind of talking about something that he, let me say his stage behaviors uh, with some girls um, when we were on air. And so just the idea that... I was just talking about a celebrity and like what he was doing. And then two weeks later, I'm on the phone with him. I like didn't believe it. And so I was just like, nah, like this is fake. This is definitely like one of my friends who watched the show who was like pulling a prank on me. I did not believe it. And so he had to like call and text me and be like, no, I'm I'm literally like Timmy. Like and I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed, guys. I was so embarrassed. Aki, I was embarrassed, okay? So he calls and texts me and he convinces me who he is. I give him my prices. We work it out. And the shoot actually was super fun. It was a song about being in quarantine. Like, I think it was at the, the beginning of COVID. So it was honestly a little bit of a bitch to even shoot because of curfew and things like that but looking back I I could have died from embarrassment okay I was so embarrassed at the fact that I just hung up on him um but it was a fun shoot and it was also just like that much more of 
like a solidifying factor and been like, okay, like I'm actually getting more and more known. Cause it's not like I gave him my number. He had to go and find it. And I felt very special at the time, right? But so with every interaction that I had with kind of quote unquote celebs, right? Cause I think I was, I'm gonna think it's weird whenever someone calls themselves a celebrity. I think it just rubs me the wrong way. You know, maybe I'm overly focused on it, but Essentially, every time I would interact with celebrities, I became more and more desensitized to what it meant to being a celebrity. And what's interesting now is at the time of me recording and writing this episode, the Writers and Actors Union in Hollywood, it's called SAG-AFTRA, you know, it's their union in Hollywood, is actually still striking. And as I watched the news about it, uh, it spoke about how most actors when they get on big shows they still have to keep their day jobs or after paying things like their management fees and like you know their managers cuts they don't have the salary that we think that they would have or that they do have and that was such a good realization and like reality check for me to get um because Being able to do a job you love in the creative space is absolutely a privilege. But the actors and the musicians uh, that we love are doing literally just that, their jobs. They're just doing their jobs. So when I framed the, the interactions that I had with the people that I met, this new mindset of like the fact that they're just doing their job and they're just really good and dedicated at it, my nerves would calm down a lot you know especially if you read about what's going on now with the strike and what actors have to go through sometimes you know you'll hear them being paid like you know less than fifty thousand dollars for a season after they've paid off all of their stuff you know and you'll hear them being like oh you know we couldn't afford certain things or their royalty checks they get are like less than a dollar for being really important roles in these shows. And so, you know, it's from streaming services and just like, it's it's a really huge issue, but it really kind of gets you, it gets you present to the fact like this is their job. And so when we grow to like love these people, uh, we're growing to love them because they're like good and just dedicated to what is still their chosen career path. And so for some reason for me, that really calms me down because at the end of the day, whenever you meet someone who's really good at literally anything you aren't good at, you're already impressed, right? I could meet a brain surgeon and I'm impressed with his ability to do brain surgery. I could meet a chef and I'm impressed with his ability to be a chef. I think that the fact that literally there's like TV shows about every single career path, maybe, I don't know if that helped or hurt us, but at the end of the day, when someone is able to do something that you aren't able to do as easily, it's just impressive to have skill, right? It's this good lesson to remember that there's no such thing as unskilled labor and there's no such thing as an untalented person. It's just about finding what you're talented at and passionate about and having the discipline to really pursue it relentlessly, right? 
Because what makes a job really cool is when you feel like you're doing well at it. When you feel like you're growing and being respected in your field, even when you have a quote unquote normal job, it's still awesome when you're very good at it. And when you can see that you're good at it and the people around you can see that you're good, right? The point in my career that were highlights, at least, you know, my entertainment career that were highlights were when I felt like I was really moving forward, was when I felt like I had a say in the matter of how my life was going to go. Like when I was creating content, like my cooking shows or this really cool blacklight photo shoot that I did, uh, shout out Sobu, he was like my number one day one photographer. But for those uh, works, those projects, I had, you know, creative say. And so that was really important and really empowering for me. Or when I had interviews where the person I was interviewing just enlightened me in some way. When I was like, damn, I'm really meeting somebody who's like, you know, the cream of the cop, the crop of like wherever they're in, you know, like they are at the top of their game and I'm, I'm sharing a table with them. So that would be kind of like the highlights of, of how I would measure my success, right? It was never about money because I got us, I'll say it once and I'll say it again. Let me tell you, you're not going to make a lot of money when it comes to the Kenyan field and gatekeeping. You're not going to make a lot of money at the beginning, right? You really have to push through. So I really held on to the fact like, you know, I'm, I'm pushing my way and making my way into those spaces. But even now that my career uh, in the States has started to get really fulfilling because I'm about four months into it and I can feel like I'm making a big difference for people. Um, I my mentality about what it means to like be like famous and successful and all that stuff is totally changed because what my career now is is I'm a case manager specifically for people who are victims of human trafficking so I'm giving back I'm helping people right and so the job that I have now is absolutely not about fame and it's definitely not about fortune but I feel good doing it because I'm getting better at it And that's really the key. You don't have to be famous to be successful. You don't even have to be rich, all right? You just have to feel like you're growing and find that evidence in your life to prove it to yourself. Because when I first moved out of my parents' house, when I got back, when I got back um, to, I moved into what uh, we would know in Kenya to be like a bed sitter. And in the US, we'd call it a studio apartment. I couldn't get approved for credit cards for a while because I had like no credit history, AKA that essentially means bad credit to most people. And I was really, really scared that the skills that I had from being an entertainer literally like wouldn't translate and wouldn't matter into getting a, you know, like a real job, you know, a quote unquote normal job. Um, And then also my parents were like totally terrified that now that I had tattoos, I was not even going to be able to get a job. Um, I remember people, I don't want to make my parents sound bad, but of course, you know, my mom was just like super terrified that I wasn't going to be able to get a job. A A lot of people were really terrified. So in those first kind of few moments, those first few months, I really felt fucked, right? Like I was like, oh my God, I am completely screwed. What have I done? I wanted to be back with my family, but holy hell, was I in a dark place. And it didn't matter whether whether or not 
I felt like it, you know, was done to me or I did it to myself because I was just like, okay, I'm fucked, I'm stuck. But in the first year of being back, what I was able to achieve was immense, all right? I had three different jobs before landing where I'm at now, uh, before landing where I'm at now, which is a really good and stable place. I moved from that bed sitter or studio apartment to a one bedroom. I bought a car and I'm financially independent enough to where I can now teach myself how to save and invest because that's definitely not stuff that I or a lot of people learned when I was younger, but now I'm in a place where I can do it, right? Shit has been obscenely difficult for me, and I'm sure it's been pretty fucking difficult for you too. But my advice is don't compare yourself to the people that you see in social media because they're literally just doing their job. It's their job to portray that stuff to you. So focus on your own well-being and things will eventually start to even out, all right? And if you start to feel anxious again, just come back and give this episode another listen, (laughs) okay? So I've had a wonderful time, and I'm going to see you in season two, baby.